Do you struggle to find answers to your pelvic health problems? Do you feel silenced in your quest to just feel better? Women, girls, sisters, if you have experienced infertility, PCOS, incontinence, painful periods, sexual trauma, and so much more associated with the pelvis, then Women's Pelvis Wellness is a place for you. Me and experts from around the world are joining here to get you the answers to the holistic health that you have been seeking. Please join us in being a pelvis wellness warrior. Hey everyone, thanks for coming back to another episode of Women's Pelvis Wellness. And today we have a really interesting topic and a really interesting lady. Michelle Marquardt is also from Wisconsin, as I am, and she is the owner and director of Eau Claire Sober Living, and she is um, in recovery herself. She's also a speaker and a coach, and um, we're going to talk about a lot of things that she does, but what we are going to really center on today is um, sex after and after sobriety or during the sobriety journey. Um, and, you know, again, um, this is not something that has been my experience, so it wasn't in my wheelhouse to think about. But, of course, if someone is so used to having sex, you know, only when they're, you know, high or something on, on something, alcohol or any type of substance, um, and then switching that to sober um, I would imagine that would be very difficult, but thank you, Michelle, so much for being here with us today. And I would just love to hear all about your journey and your mission. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you so much for asking me to be on today. I'm absolutely thrilled. And I love, love, love your mission to help women educate themselves about their pelvic health and to have this platform to be open to have these kind of discussions that a lot of times people are uncomfortable having or don't know, you know, how to broach these subjects. So right. kudos to you for doing this. It's amazing. So thank you so much. I love it. You're very welcome. Thank you for your kind word. Yeah. So my journey has been um, one of recovery for the last five years. And the things that I have been learning in that recovery journey have been things that quite frankly, um, serve me, even if I wasn't using or drinking, you know, it's like, even if it wasn't for sobriety, these are things I wish I would have had in my toolbox like years ago, it would have saved me so many years of struggle and, you know, heartache and stuff like that. And some of the things, some of the big pieces to the recovery journey, because people just think, oh, it's recovery is just not drinking or, you know, sobriety, that sobriety, it's just not drinking or not using an alcohol or alcohol or drug or whatever to escape your body. Well, it's a lot deeper than that. You can do that. And that's what we call kind of white knuckling it. Like you're just like, life is not fun, but I'm not drinking. So everything's fine. And that's like sucks. Life is not fun like that. It is right. painful. And so the recovery part of it is really like digging in deeper and going, what do I want my life to be like? What are the things, what are the barriers that have kept me from having the life that I want to have? Where are the road bumps? Where are my old stories, my old garbage? And it's really digging deep into yourself and discovering what's been getting in your way. And how do you get that out of your way and move on and create a beautiful life 
that you want to live, that you don't need to escape from. So that's kind of my motto at, at Eau Claire Sober Living. We're helping people create a lifestyle to last a lifetime. You know, it's like, what does it want? What do we want it to look like? And having the courage to go there and chase big dreams and be true to yourself. You know, that's another one that's really, really big. Learning to have a relationship with yourself um, and then learning how to embrace that and be brave and go out in the world and say, yeah, this is me, you know, even if it doesn't fit into any of the boxes. So and I would imagine at the same time as you're going through all this, you're creating a community of women that are then going to be your support moving forward when you are no longer living in the facility or doing, you know, weekly or daily classes or, you know, whatever the requirements are um, or how the programs are. I mean, I would imagine that this is definitely going to be a close knit support group, you know, hopefully for life. It is. And it's really cool because it is much more of a family. It's not just a place to land and not drink. Um, it's got a very strong family atmosphere and the women, um, oh my God, it's so beautiful. It's honestly beyond anything that I could have imagined it was going to be. It's blossomed into, into the women that come there, what they bring. And some days somebody will have a hard day. They may have a relapse, something rough may happen. And the other women just rise up and support them. And it's so amazing when you get a bunch of women together, how healing and supportive they are. We have this thought that maybe they're going to be um, catty or, you know, that there's this myth out there that women don't support each other. They don't lift each other up, but it's so untrue. And when we get brave enough to cross that boundary and that barrier to say, you know, I'm going to go be with a bunch of women in this house and heal. Wow. It's been incredible. And they do, they then carry those relationships on outside of the home for a long, long periods of time. It becomes their support system. So it's pretty cool. Wonderful. Yeah. So you yourself, I mean, you're married, you're a mom and you have animals and cute little cat in the background. That's so oh cute. yeah. There's one of them. <laughs> That's Leroy. <laughs> oh, I love the name too. Um, and so obviously, I mean, you know, your family has gone on this journey with you, you know, and yeah. because they were right there, you know, seeing the struggles and seeing all the wins too. So yeah. uh, how has that, how has the family dynamic kind of shifted? You know, it's really interesting because, um, you know, as, as women, we're so taught to take care of everybody else and put everybody else's needs first ahead of ours. And quite frankly, that was one of the things that contributed to my addiction, to my alcoholism. And I think we end up trying to escape the stress and the strain that we put on ourselves for taking care of the kids and the husband and the job and all these other things. It's, it's exhausting. And we are the last ones that we take care of. So I had to put myself first and give myself some time to heal and to sit back and go, okay, what do I need to be healthy and happy and strong so that I can be a good supportive mom? Um, my marriage actually did not survive the addiction. Um, my husband is an amazing man and we have an incredible relationship, but that was one thing that um, I had to let go of for me to say, you know what, it's, it's not, um, it's not what I need. Unfortunately, it was really, really hard. It was a very hard thing to do um, to break up the family. And I think a lot of women struggle hard with that in divorce. 
but quite frankly, our family is more beautiful now than it's ever been before. You know, it's like my ex-husband and I have an amazing relationship. We're great friends. We support each other. We help each other. Um, and our kids have two healthy, happy parents that they can, you know, they have relationships with, you know, that they can go through. So my kids have absolutely been through some bumps and they have therapists because there's things that I can't go back and fix as the mom. And I can't go, I can't help them work through because I caused some of those pains. So they work through their stuff. And, but absolutely the relationship that I have with my kids and with my, uh, my former spouse and my friends, the richness that has come out of this has been absolutely phenomenal just beyond what I could have imagined beyond what I ever could have hoped for. So not that there's not rough days. There always are. There's always challenging days, but as a whole, it's much healthier and beautiful. Right. And all of that would never happen if you, if you didn't do that inner self work. And if you didn't have a sober living community that you could immerse yourself in and get that fully full support from people will understand, you know, where you're going and where you want to get to. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, quite frankly, sometimes I say, you know, this, you know, it's my addiction was in my gift, right? Because it was my wake up to say, okay, I can't live like this anymore. What do I really want my life to look like? And right. So it's a gift, honestly, you know, some people look at it and it's like, Oh, I just, I remember early on being like, Oh, I just, anything else, not this. I don't, I want to be able to drink like normal people. It's like, now it's like, are you kidding me? What do I need that for? It's like, that just like screws up my life. And I don't want to be dull. I want to be awake and alive and enjoying every moment of this. So yeah. yeah. And my sober community is, is just amazing and helping and doing what I'm doing with my women at the house. That's one of my support systems. Those women, they, they, I learn from them and they lift me up just as much as I lift them up. It's just incredible. Well, and I think, I mean, I know that I've heard several times and I'm sure you have, and many other listeners have that, you know, we teach what we most need to learn, Mm. you know, and as I, I mean, I'm a, you know, pelvic health therapist. So I just think of all of my limiting beliefs or my energetic um, blockages and it's all pelvis. It's all emotional. It's all the self stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, that's all right in the area that, you know, I work with. Therefore I need a lot of work in it. And yeah. there's no one around me that does what I do. <laughs> right? So, yeah. So, um, well, thanks for sharing all that because I know that, you know, those things aren't easy to share and that's just a tip of the iceberg and there's so many more details and you can certainly, you know, reach out to Michelle and contact her if you wanted more information. But this episode is about sex after sobriety. So let's talk about that. Let's dig in. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. So do you have anything, a question that you want to start with or? Well, I was just thinking, I guess because, you know, I mean, I don't know. I've never been in that situation. So, but I certainly have been in a situation where, you know, I mean, you feel obviously like after you've had a couple of drinks, you feel much less, there's, you know, much less inhibitions. You don't necessarily, maybe you're not self judging how you look or how it feels, or if you're good at it, or if they're like you, you're just like in it for the fun at that moment. And you probably, you know, maybe you wouldn't even do that at all if you were sober, you know, completely. So I guess my thought is, 
um, what are some of the biggest challenges when women, you know, con- maybe confront things, you know, around sex from the past that they're trying to heal from, you know, because of alcohol or whatever their substance abuse issue is, um, you know, versus coming in after sobriety. Yeah. So what you said about how the alcohol or drug will take away your inhibitions, right. And those, those things in your head that are like, make you self-conscious about, am I, you know, what do I look like? How am I going to enjoy this? All this stuff where we get up in our head and we're not in our bodies and in that present moment and learning how to let go of all those things. Right. So how do I, how do I create that same feeling of letting go of these voices and all of this judgment on myself without that, that drug or that thing to alter that and do it for me. Right. So that's like the deep inner work where you have to go in and and learn how to love your body and go, you know what? I am beautiful Mm -hmm. and I am sexy and desirable right in this, in my own skin. And when you feel that on the inside, it comes out, right. You know, the self-confidence and the self-love, but honestly, that first year of healing, we um, tell people don't get in a relationship right away when you're trying to get clean and sober, because quite frankly, you need to develop a relationship with yourself and you need to learn how to love yourself and forgive yourself and find your own inner beauty and give yourself the permission to enjoy, you know, the pleasure that is our birthright as women to step in and enjoy our sexuality and embrace it and, you know, just flourish in it. So build the, you know, starting those building blocks of how do I learn to love myself and accept myself and accept my body and then go beyond that to, to celebrate it. So that when I get to that place of, you know, I'm in a, a relationship or I'm interested in starting a relationship, or quite frankly, if you just want to go out and have a sexual experience with, you know, an, a, a consensual partner that you can enter into that from a place of strength and confidence and being like, I'm, you know, I'm beautiful. I'm strong. I'm gorgeous. Now that doesn't mean you're still not going to have that moment of, Oh my God, do I remember how to do this? <laughs> Cause that nice. absolutely happens. Yeah. It's like, do I remember how to do this? Am I going to be any good at it? And you have to just go, it's okay, baby. And it, I coach myself in my own head. It's okay, baby. You got this. You know how to do this. You've known how to do this without the alcohol before. You know how to, you know how this works. Just getting into your body and letting right. your body respond, you know, and not, and it's getting out of the head, right? And being in that present moment of, I am right here right now in my body and feeling all the feelings, the emotional feelings, the physical feelings, you know, the sensual feelings, the spiritual feelings, because quite frankly, sexuality can be a, a sec, you know, a spiritual encounter. Absolutely. So yeah, it's really much more about that and, and working yourself through that and be, and just sort of giving yourself over into, into the moment and out of the judgment in your head. And that's just a practice, right? And be like, it's okay. I got this. It'll be fine. And then when you kind of shut that off a little bit and you step into the moment, it's like, oh, wow. It's so funny because the women in my sober home, we've, this has been a hot topic since I'm coming on the podcast, right? So it's like yeah. everybody, it's like, tell me about sober sex. And so much of it has been um, oh my God, I was so afraid and all of those things, right. Am I going to be good at it? You know, am I going to look, what am I going to look like? I'm self-conscious about how I look and how I feel. And what if I suck? And what if I don't like it? And what if I can't orgasm? And every single one of the women have told me, 
sex is so much better sober. Yeah. So much better. And their sex life actually has gotten astronomically better. Like one of my girlfriends was absolutely paranoid about it. And she thought, Oh my God, I'm never going to be able to orgasm again because I don't have, you know, I've got too much of the voices in my head. And she's like, I have like 20 orgasms every time. And I'm like, hey, <laughs> that's awesome yeah so it is it's crazy how much better it can be once we let go of those things that we think are helping us that are actually inhibiting us well anytime a woman can look at her body and just when we cherish ourselves, when we love ourselves, when we appreciate our physical bodies and our souls for what they really are, you can't help but become more confident. And when you're like, confidence is literally the best accessory. And I know it sounds cheesy, but it totally is because when you're confident and you love your body, your clothes look different on you, your hair looks different, your smile is bigger. I mean, because everything, your whole energetic body shifts. So obviously, you know, whether there is any substance issue or not, a lot of people are addicted to that negative self-talk. And once that shifts and lifts, I mean, you're going to be, you're going to feel more about everything because you're going to be more present, you know? So that, yeah, that would be really intense. Yeah. And we are, we're so used to, you know, judging ourselves against the standards that the beauty standards, right. It's, you know, if you're looking at social media, if you're looking, if you're watching TV, the commercials, it's like everything, it's like, we're bombarded with messages of how we're supposed to look and not necessarily just embracing our bodies as they are. We're always looking for the defects, those pieces that are not so great. And it's like, well, I don't like that part. It's like, how about you focus on what are the parts that you do love? Right. What are the parts that you're like, yeah, you know what? My butt's kind of cute. You know, it's like, Hey, this is, I like this piece. You know, my collarbones right here is, you know, really sexy or, you know, I might like my arms or looking for those pieces of our, of our body that we can start to appreciate that we do already like, and then building on that to continue that out into, okay, well, this looks good. Well, that's not so bad. Well, that's all right. You know, I actually did a, um, a boudoir photo shoot with our friend Be- Becky Paltz. And um, I had her intentionally take pictures of my butt because I was like, that's my spot that I'm like so self-conscious about the back of my thighs and my butt. And when she took pictures of me and I got to see what it actually looks like rather than like under my, you know, awful, yeah. what do you think overhead, like? na- nasty lights. I was like, that that's my butt. <laughs> that's your butt. And I'm like, well, I like that. Oh, oh that actually looks pretty good. <laughs> and I kept that and bought that picture. Cause I'm like, I'm going to hang that sucker in my room to remind me of these lies that get stuck in our head. Right. And this is right. beliefs that we have and that somebody else will look at us and go, Oh my God, are you kidding me? That's beautiful. You're beautiful. Right. Here. But it's so hard for us to accept as women, um, especially because I think we beat ourselves up so hard. It's hard to receive a compliment and actually take in um, something somebody says about us that's yeah. a compliment because we, we just don't believe it. And so stepping into that place of self-acceptance and self-love and self-appreciation allows us to receive those messages and allows us to be, like you said, in the moment, mm-hmm. which then is like this carries over into everything, into your everyday life and into the bedroom and 
where you can just be you, which should be the place, right? Where we could be free to be with a partner, to just be expressive and without judgment. And it's really interesting because when I show up that way with a partner, without judgment, without expectation, it's so beautiful what unfolds and what happens. And it's like so much better than I could have imagined if I was like, okay, it should be this way or it should be that way. It's like just letting it un- unfold naturally between you and your partner and letting them, and that gives them permission to show up how they are too. Sort of sets right. the tone. So it's kind of cool. Well, I mean, obviously I think a lot of us have seen before and after photos of people, you know, there's, there's been a trend um, I think on TikTok where people were, I don't know if it's current. I just recently saw it. So <laughs> I'm probably behind the times. Me too. It was people showing, you know, a picture of themselves, like fully into their, you know, substance abuse. And then, you know, six months sober, mm-hmm. one year sober, and they look so much better. I mean, their skin is better. It's better. They're filled out. Their eyes aren't like their eyes aren't sucking in and they're clear. And they're, I mean, everything improves because you're not putting that constant poison into your body, you know, and I've noticed that as I, cause I've been really working on, you know, constant like self-elevation and ascending and constantly like, you know, doing that really intense work. And I noticed like the more layers I shed and the more I heal and I don't have an alcohol problem. I, I just, like, it doesn't even sound good to me. I don't mm-hmm. desire to even do that because I just know, like, I just feel like it's not, it's not going to do my body any good. So I probably shouldn't do it. That's not to say that I'm not going to have a glass of wine or, you know, a drink if I do go out with friends, but, um, you know, I don't even, I, I, I don't remember the last time I bought, you know, alcohol for myself, you know? So, yeah, it's, so I think that as you, continue to grow and elevate and realizing the depth of your awesomeness that it maybe just kind of helps maybe lessen the urges. I don't know. Yeah, it it definitely does. And there's some people that still, I'm fortunate in that I don't have urges to drink. I just don't, I don't know if that's unique to me or because of, you know, how bad my bottom was. I'm not sure what the reason is. I just don't have any, I don't have cravings to escape my life. Um, I see my life as a huge adventure. I know there are people that still do struggle and like, yeah, geez, you know what? I'd really like to have a drink. I'd really like to, to, you know, just slow down and just have that escape. And it's like, well, that's like, go back and look at your life and go, what's creating the pace that makes you feel like you need to stop and have a break. And maybe you need to back that off, right. You know, do something different. So can I ask you a tough question? Sure. So alcohol isn't an escape for you, but most people have something that they do. Yeah. Whether it's eating or shopping or binge watching TV or, you know, (laughs) there's some way we're escaping the pressures of everyday life. So are you willing or do you have one? Maybe you don't. Maybe you're. I absolutely 100% have one. Are you willing to share or and if you're not, that's okay. Well, it's not that I'm not willing to share. It's not exactly legal. <laughs> <laughs> that's good then. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, it's God's medicine. Yeah. Um, 
but no, so yeah. What makes it so, um, what makes you want to get to that place of going, okay, I just want to check out for a little bit. Yeah. Well, you know, it really, it's totally depends on the ebb and the flow of my life. Um, I had, I mean, honestly, after the divorce and, you know, like when the time when the kids, you know, had to go with their dad or whatever, um, that's probably when I started a little bit more. I mean, back in college and stuff, I did, you know, just kind of whatever, um, experiment and stuff like that. Um, but when 2020 hit, I mean that, well, I was off for six weeks. I couldn't do anything. And I was one of the people, I was the first one open as soon as I could, you know, but those six weeks were freaking brutal on me. And yeah, I mean, every chance I could, if I didn't have the kids, you know, I was definitely taking advantage of that. Um, and then, you know, now it's absolutely an escape. I even told my friend this morning on my walk, I'm like, I think I might be slipping into a depression. I think that I have to like, seriously get up and go. Let's, you know, get moving because if I let all of that take over, then I will just sink right back in there. So that's definitely something, but also when I do it, I'm productive, you know? So it's not like I get high and then I sleep for four hours, you know, I'm like, let's do yard work. Let's plant flowers. Let's scrub the floors. Let's do some podcast editing, whatever that is. So that's how I rationalize it because I'm productive when I'm on it. (laughs) Quite frankly, I mean, I can see the BS. I can see it. (laughs) Nothing wrong with that. And, you know, it's interesting too, because it is, it's hard walking that fine line because I'm that same way. One of the things I used to use alcohol for was to elevate my emotions because I struggled with depression. And so I would use it to, to feel because I had so shut off from my emotions just to, to go, go, go. And so it would feel good just to, to use it so that I could feel and, and I would get happy. And I was, I was never a mean, angry drunk. I was a happy drunk. Yeah. I would use that to elevate my emotions because I struggled with depression and anxiety my entire life. And that was a way to get out of it. And I still have to walk that line. I know exactly what you're saying, because sometimes when I slow down, it's like, am I on that cusp of, am I going to crash into that depression where I just become non-functional? And I think sometimes, you know, I have kids and honestly, it seems like sometimes that what keeps me like you have to, they have to be fed. They need for sure, yeah. <laughs> laundry in the clothes. And, right. you know, so sometimes it's like, I wonder, you know, what it'll be like when they're gone. But I think by this, at this point, I've created enough. I know myself well enough to go, I'm on that cusp. And like you, you know how to catch yourself. Right. And you yeah. go, I need to call a friend, you know, which by the way, is one of the things that we teach people to do in recovery. And it's one of the hardest, it is the hardest thing to do. They'll say how that phone feels like a thousand pounds because it's like, Oh, I know I need to do this, but I really don't want to. I really just want to curl up on the couch and just shut out the world. You know, I know that feeling so hard. It is. And, And I tell people all the time, like, just, you just have to ask, you just have to ask. Well, I just have to ask. Yeah, you know, because there are friends all around you that even yeah, we're all going through our own shit, and we all probably have something current right now that we could really use support on. But sometimes having someone else's problem or someone else's experience—I don't want to say problem, 
someone else's experience to focus on actually helps you within your own, you know, because everything that you're telling your friend to help them out of this, whatever is exactly what you should be telling yourself. Exactly. You know? So yeah. Yeah. And I love that you reached out and called your friend and said, Hey, we got to get walking and get outside and get moving because that does, that helps so much. And there's, you know, I think that's downplayed, you know, it's like, Oh, we know that we should go, we should get some exercise. We should get some fresh air, blah, 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 blah. You know, it seems so silly, but the power in it, when I step out and go do that too, because I'll get in that rut too, where, you know, if I don't have an exercise goal, I'm not getting out and doing stuff. And that was actually one of the things I learned early in my first time going to treatment. I went out to California because it was winter here and I spent a ton of time outside and I was like, oh my God, I didn't realize how important that was to me to get out into nature and to get out in the fresh air and just to be in some greenery, even walking down my street in the trees, just to be out in the air and, and the, and the nature it's healing. Right. I was going to ask you. Are you in your home or are you at the sober living house? Nope. This is my house. Oh, okay. Cause I can see through the window. It looks like maybe there's fields or something or that might, Oh no. Now I can see that's actually a house. Yep. Okay. There's a house back there and a tree. Okay. Cause I was like, Oh, maybe it's, you know, maybe your sober living is set in like nature, you know, people can actually, cause that's yeah. so, so important. We're not, but we're right in town and we're close to, we're right next to the river. We're a block from the river and these walking trails and um, stuff like that. And we, yeah, we take, but we take the girls out and we do things like horse therapy. We get them outside. They're working on some camping trips for the summer. Nice. Just ways to get out and get connected into nature again. And it was funny because one of my girls who's actually moving out Wednesday or no, today, um, she's like, I'm a total city girl. And she's been going to this place and helping out this family that's out in the country. And she's like, I can't believe I'm moving out here. She's like, I'm a city girl. I am not a country girl. And she's realized that part of her is a country girl and yeah. feeling healed and lifted by being out in this, this place of, of nature. And mm-hmm. yeah, so it is incredible. The power of that, those sort of small things that we think are not a big deal. Like putting, you know, for me, I have my five pillars. And the first one is, is what I put in my body because how I feed my body so affects my mood. And when I'm getting too much sugar or not enough water and not enough good, healthy, you know, plants and clean protein and stuff, it absolutely affects my, my mood and how I feel. And the second thing is, is exercise. And that lifts my, it gets my endorphins going. It helps deal with any anxiety. It burns off anything. And I use it as a preventative, like first thing in the morning, you know, I go into meditation, Now I'd love to say that I go right into exercise right now. I'm in this place of trying to balance, like figure the two out because I like was a bodybuilder for a while. So it was like, get up in the morning, get to the gym, go, go, go. And I love that. And now this year it's a shift into more hardcore into my spiritual dig. And so Mm -hmm. then, but then after I'm done with meditation, I'm all like, yes, I'm all blissed out. And so it's like, okay, now you got to find the balance between those two where it's like, okay, you can take that bliss and go to the gym, you know, but it's shifting what exercises I want to do. And then um, the spiritual aspect is the other part of my, my five things. And then connecting with other people, because honestly, connection is the opposite of addiction and we all need it. And like you said, you reached out to your friend to go walking because when we're struggling with something, we need other people. And they that get us to, to share with us and stuff. And then my fifth thing is um, finding something to do that has purpose, whether right. it's, and at first when I got clean and sober, it was just a job. And now it is what feeds my soul and doing yeah. stuff like this that I absolutely love. 
having these opportunities to have these deep, rich, meaningful conversations is man. Oh, that just, that just feeds me. So thank you for this. (laughs) Well, you're welcome. Thank you. I wanted to give you a couple of tips because this is something that I do and maybe your ladies would like to do it too. Um, And a couple of these are on my uh, top 12 tips, better pelvic health, but I like doing movement. That's fun, but also has, is very purposeful or has multiple purposes. So people have said this, I did a podcast, or they've heard me say this, and I've done a podcast episode about it, but um, hula hooping and belly dance are amazing, okay? Because physically, it's super fun. I mean, you can learn all kinds of amazing tricks. I mean, people make money, a lot of money all year, and they're professional hula hoopers, you know, or they're professional belly dancers, so, I mean, this is something, um, hula hooping, you know, if you want to just touch on that is it's, it breaks up the energy physically, like physically you're working in that pelvic abdominal area. So you're physically breaking up the energy. You're also working, um, on the lymph system and you're also working on the fascia of the body. Plus, even if you're just waist hooping, you're kind of like in a mini squat. So your quads, your hamstrings, your glutes your, you know, pelvic floor, your lower abdominals, everything is engaged, mm. but it's fun. And you can walk around in hula hoops. So you don't really have to feel like you're in this constant like squat. And the same thing with belly dancing. It's so incredible, you know, to like learn the history about belly dancing, but it's, it's both belly dancing and hula hoop, very grounding. Um, it's very sensual and it's, um, also, um, what am I trying to say? It's grounding. It's a childlike, it's inner child work because it's playful. So those are just, and I mean, you can make it as big as you want or, or is not. I mean, you can, some people just run with it and soon they're like join a belly dance troupe and they're doing the full regalia and it's so incredibly healing. And most times both of those involve a lot of women, you know, there are very few men that do belly dance. Um, so it's just this amazing community of people who are going to fully support you. And yeah, I mean, it's, they're both awesome, awesome activities and jumping rope. Cause that's just fun to do. I stink at jumping rope. I always get, I like, I go for a little while and then pretty soon I'm caught in the rope. Can I guess? <laughs> oh my gosh, it's exhausting. I remember when one of my coaches made me start doing that for a bodybuilding competition. She's like, jump rope for 10 minutes. I'm like, I got in like 30 seconds. I'm like, I'm going to die. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Well, and you know, what's so cool is that you can make it even more spiritual and you can add your own mantra to it. So like, if you are let's say you're hula hooping or jumping rope, you can actually record yourself saying whatever it is that you need to hear. And then you just listen to that while you're doing the activity. So it's your voice, it's your mantras, and it's all centered in your pelvic area, which for women, I mean, that's where our power comes from. Yes. Oh my gosh. I so there love you go. that. Have fun. That is, away. That's killer. <laughs> and I love the, the hula hoop idea because again, it is, we're learning how to play again and step yes. into ourselves and embrace and, and heal that inner child. There is so much good power to that. I love it. And I was thinking, I remember when I was in treatment, my roommate ordered from Amazon a weighted hula hoop and we all, everybody was playing with that thing and we loved it. And I forgot about that. So thank you. I'm going to, I'm so going to get some. And I'm like, I could just see the neighborhood now. Yeah. 
So I'm going to put, um, I will put the link to where I buy my hoops from in the show notes for this episode. And I can send you the link too. Um, it's a woman out in California. Her name's Jennifer. She's originally from Minnesota and she just, she'll make any kind of hoop that you want. She has beginners all the way up to, you know, people who are amazing. Some of them are weighted, some of them are furry. <laughs> she oh, has fun. I mean, and the colors are amazing. So I, I get all my stuff from her just because I want to support her and because she'll make anything you want. So, wow. That's so cool. I love that. Yeah. We're getting, that's, we're adding hula hoops. And actually today is um, so our day that we do family dinner. And then um, we do something afterwards as a, as a family, either I teach or we have somebody come in or we have a game night. So tonight I was actually going to work on, we're going to do a static dance oh, as, nice. um, as a way to kind of move the energy through the body. And, you know, and also again, cause in some early sobriety, it's like, well, you want to go out dancing, but it's like, I don't have that alcohol to stop my inhibitions. So yeah. we're going to, we're going to do some aesthetic dance in the basement where it's safe and nobody else can see us and see yeah. if we can start to, you know, get into that space of letting the body flow and move and all of that. So that's another one. If you haven't tried it to, to check out, cause I've been doing that one quite a bit in my kitchen, just sort Fun. of. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. It feels like. Awesome. Well, so. that, I mean, it's such an amazing mission. And, you know, again, I just wanted to bring light to this topic because I don't think that many people think about that. You know, um, they just think, okay, yeah, exactly. I'm not the one struggling. So just don't drink and don't go around people who drink and everything should be fine. You know, (laughs) right. Everything's fine. So um, it's, it's just really, really good to learn, you know, all of these experiences because, you know, someone's going to hear it and it's going to help somebody. So, yeah. And I just, if there is anybody out there that's listening, that's not, that thinks that they're not sure if they've got a problem or if they think they have a problem or they know that they have a problem and they need to quit. You know, if there's anything I can tell you is that have the courage to face it and let it go and step into that, the work of digging into the inner work and learning how to love yourself and discover yourself and stop numbing through these other ways. And that's for anybody, honestly, whether it's you're escaping through shopping or overworking or overexercising or overeating or binging out on stuff, you know, really looking at what is it that I'm trying to escape? Why, why do I need to have this, you know, this in my life to, to get away. And that doesn't mean that there's not nights that I binge on Netflix. I absolutely do, you know, but, um, yeah, just having the courage to let go of that old stuff and to learn how to create a life that you really want, that you love, create a life that you love, that you don't need to escape from. Right. And are there any, um, I know there's some hotlines, some websites, you can just kind of shout out really quick for people, for resources to get information. Cause I know Al-Anon is one. Yeah. Al-Anon is for people who have a loved one that struggles with addiction. Um, AANA, those are the traditional groups. There's also a ton of other groups. I actually really embraced um, something called Smart Recovery, which focuses a lot on cognitive behavioral therapy. That one really spoke to me. It was how I could put the things in my life, come up with my five pillars that I stick to. And when I do those, I, my, I'm balanced. I'm fine. It doesn't require me to go to AA meetings for the rest of my life. I struggled with that concept. Um, however, I still go back because I have learned there's so much wisdom in those rooms and the people that are there are amazing. And there's nothing more fun than a bunch of drunks and addicts. We're 
we're fun when we're using, we're even more fun when we're not. (laughs) But yeah, every town town should have access. There's always 800 numbers. If you Google, you know, if you're struggling with addiction, my website is ecsoberliving.com and we have an 800 number on there. If anybody wants to talk or anything, just give a shout out that comes straight to me and I'm happy to bounce any questions, help anybody with any, anything that they have. And it takes courage, right? This life takes courage. So be brave and enjoy it. And there's ways to, to make it even better. Mm-hmm. So finding those and ways. You know, there's always help no matter how bad it is. And you are always worthy, no matter how unworthy you think you are. Absolutely. Especially someone when, loves you. <laughs> yeah, especially when those we're in those dark places and we can't find our own self-worth and our own value mm-hmm. and our own self-love, man, it's like, you got to borrow that from other people and trust them and believe them for a little while until you can find it within yourself that, yeah, you're absolutely worthy. You're still here. So you're still here and there's a reason. Right. Absolutely. So Well, thank you so much, Michelle. All of her information is going to be in the show notes. Um, Thank you for your wisdom and your. Thank you so much for sharing. This has been an absolute blast and I can't wait to, to dig into more of your episodes. So thank you so much for you for what you do. You are an absolute gift, my dear. Thank you. You're so welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining me today on women's pelvis wellness, where you can be heard because remember, if you're not being heard, you're not being helped. Please join my Facebook group by the same name, Women's Pelvis Wellness, and join a community of women who are there for you to support you, guide you, and love you through your pelvic health struggles. Also, this is a great place to check out my new class schedule. Thank you for joining me in becoming a pelvis wellness warrior.